Welcome to In the Oil Patch, presented by Shale Magazine, broadcasting from the Oilfield Expert Studios. Oilfield Experts, where you get the right products right now. In the Oil Patch is where, together, we explore topics that affect us all in oil, gas, business, and in your community. Every week, your host, Kim Bellotto, will visit with the movers and shakers in this fast-paced industry. You'll hear from industry experts, elected officials, and many more right here on In the Oil Patch. And good afternoon and welcome to In the Oil Patch Radio Show. I'm your host, Kim Bellotto, and today we have a great show lined up for you. We're going to be joined in studio by Carr Ingham, who is the CEO of the Texas Alliance of Energy Producers and Nicole, uh, an economist, petroleum economist, excuse me. But before we bring him on, I'd like to encourage you to be a part of our show today by calling in 210-308-8867. Again, that's 210-308-8867. We would certainly welcome and enjoy a oil and gas question that you might have for Carr or myself or David Blackman, who will also be joining us today from uh, via phone. Um, but before we get started by bringing them on, uh, I'd like to tell you a little bit about 2020 and in the oil patch. It's definitely starting off with a bang. You know, we've had a great opportunity uh, for three and a half years to be on the air, talk to many, many experts in the oil and gas uh, sector, some of them uh, U.S. Chamber of Commerce president, Mike Howard with Howard Energy, and even the Steve Jobs of energy technology, if you will, who's better known as Mike Brooks with Aspen Tech. And of course, our friends with Texas Alliance of Energy Producers that joins us once a month, every single month, Carr Ingham. So again, I encourage you to be a part of the show today. Ask an oil and gas question, or you just want to know what 2020 holds in oil and gas. All of these are great questions. Call 210-308-8867. Again, that's 210-308-8867. Uh, but first, before we uh, have Carr and David join us, I'd like to tell you about the latest issue of Shell Magazine. It's featuring Brad Barron, CEO of New Star. And I do have to admit that this is probably one of the best issues released by Shell Magazine uh, for, for many reasons. Obviously, New Star is an excellent company, a very unusual, cutting-edge tech type of company, if you will, of, of their outlooks and or their outlook and how they go about doing their day-to-day. So I encourage you to uh, go to Shell Mag, uh, that's S-H-A-L-E-M-A-G.com, and sign up for their free digital issue. But, you know, Shell offers a whole lot more than just oil and gas. It also offers uh, content that includes uh, business, lifestyle, as well as many other types of oil and gas uh, content. So be sure to sign up at shellmag.com. Again, that's S-H-A-L-E-M-A-G.com. And I'd like to invite you to join us for an awesome mixer that's happening February 20th from 530 to 830 in Houston, Texas, at the beautiful Fogo de Chao. If you have not had their food or visited the Fogo de Chao on Westheimer, you should. And uh, on February 20th would be a great time for you to come. We'll have plenty of door prizes, lots of yummy, yummy food, and a lot of adult beverages as well. But it's also a great opportunity to grow your business and network with other like-minded individuals that support the energy sector. So once again, I'd like to invite you to join us 
Shell Magazine, Texas Energy Advocates Coalition, and the Texas Alliance of Energy Producers will all be at the Fogo de Chao on February the 2nd from 5 to 8, 5.30, excuse me, to 8 p.m. And uh, the address you can go to is 8250 Westheimer Road. It's 8250 Westheimer Road. But if you want more information, just go visit shellmag.com. Again, that's shellmag.com. How are we doing on time, Barry? It's like, what? Um, okay, and then the last thing I wanted to bring up is, I have you heard of the fastest-growing energy group called Texas Energy Advocates Coalition. It's better known as the Energy Chamber. And it is definitely a group that you want to join. It's free to join. For more information, visit txenergyadvocates.org. Again, that's txenergyadvocates.org. And now, without further ado, it's time to bring on Car Ingham. Car, welcome to In the Oil Patch Radio Show in person. In person, I'm typically doing this on the phone because I reside in Amarillo, Texas, of all places. But I'm in town this weekend and glad to be here in the studio live. Well, we're glad to have you. Thanks. And uh, David Blackman, editor of Shell Magazine. David, are you here with us as well? I am, but I'm not there live, unfortunately. That is unfortunate. <laughs> I get myself here and you can't get yourself here. You know, Texas is one of the greatest states on the planet, right? Uh, or in the, especially in the United States, but uh, it also is a very large... It's a big one. It's a big state, and uh, we're all over, David. I think you're like in Dallas. I'm in San Antonio, Carr, Amarillo. So um, glad we're all together. Um, but I want to get started by Carr. First, tell us you're a, you're a petroleum economist, and you're with the Texas Alliance of Energy Producers. It's real important that our listeners learn about your organization uh, so tell us a little bit about that. And then, of course, how did you come to the Texas Alliance of Energy Producers as their CEO? Sure. Well, I am an economist by trade, by education and profession. And so I've been one of those uh, since the mid-1990s or so. The first time anybody ever wrote me a check to do anything in terms of uh, economics it was in January of 96. So until somebody's willing to write you a check for it, you're really not one. So I became an economist, I suppose, about then. And um, one of the early places I started doing work was at the metro level in Midland, Odessa, which, you know, you can scarcely do that work without kind of turning yourself into an oil and gas guy. And so I set up a kind of separate oil and gas activity, uh, an economic tracking device in the Permian just to kind of lay down next to the Midland Odessa general analysis and to see what that looked like. And then that concept was expanded in about 2003 when the then president of the Texas Alliance of Energy Producers, Alex Mills, uh, approached me about creating a statewide oil and gas activity index and economic index for the upstream or exploration production segment of the oil and gas business in Texas called the Texas Petrol Index, which I still do to this day. So okay. I've been the consulting petroleum economist for the Texas Alliance of Energy Producers since 2003. In 2018, uh, I became uh, the CFO for the organization, and then um, in uh, November at our fall board meeting in 2019, I became the uh, the executive vice president of the Texas Alliance of Energy Producers, which right now has well, me at the top of the food chain uh, with us. <laughs> a lot of stress. <laughs> Great organization. I don't know about stress. It's busy. And there's a lot to do. So it's good stress. And I love every Exciting. second of it. Every second of it. Well, you know, creating the petroleum index is 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 a really was a smart thing to do. Uh, Texas, it's it's an oil and gas 
state, if you will. And having uh, that type of information at your fingertips is, is vital for oil and gas. And we're also, uh, you know, going to cover that a little bit later on in the show because you guys have a, a recently released uh, petrol index that we caught up with you in Houston. Uh, but I, I believe that uh, David has a real quick question. David, why don't you jump on in here and, and get going with Carr as far as uh, or ask Carr the question that you had asked me earlier. Sure. And I'm like, that's a great question. Yeah, Carr, you know, we obviously I think the big story here in, in oil markets over the last month now has been the, the coronavirus, uh, the potential for that becoming a global pandemic and uh, the impact it's having on, for our industry, on the Chinese economy in particular, which seems to be almost flatlining at this point, uh, just in terms of, of orders of steel goods have gone down to almost nothing, right. and crude oil demand is going down rapidly there yes. as well. And I, I just thought I'd ask you to kind of talk about how that impacts our domestic industry here in the United States. Well, right now it's impacting it pretty significantly. Uh, prices are going down, uh, and that's a goodly portion of the region of the of the, of the reason why. Uh, but I, you know, I did want to just make sure we understand definitionally what we're talking about. I'm looking at a terribly constructed CNN headline. I don't mean to call them out. It's just that <laughs> this is theirs. The coronavirus will cause oil demand to shrink for the first time in a decade. And then the first paragraph in that story, the amount of oil needed to run the global economy will decline sharply in the first quarter of this year. Well, that is, that's not correct, actually. Yeah. What we're yeah. talking about is reduction in the growth and demand. So they're talking about uh, the uh, IEA, the International uh, Energy Administration or Agency, I should know that, I guess, International Energy yeah. Agency, I believe, talking about shrinking, about cutting their estimates for growth and demand um, uh, this year from about 1.2 million barrels a day down to around 800 and something thousand maybe. So still demand and growth expected globally, but less growth in demand. So uh, the expectation is still out there for a growth, uh, for demand growth, just at a slower pace. So I want to make sure everybody understands that. That said, that's pretty significant. Um, and we can see how this is affecting uh, markets and prices right now. Early on in this thing, I was kind of hopeful that it wouldn't um, kind of metastasize and come to this critical mass, but it seems to be doing exactly that and getting worse. Uh, and so I, I don't know what the end game here is in terms of kind of straightening this out, but just ask yourself this question. Uh, if you're trading with China, if you're going to visit there, if you're going to do anything in terms of business with China, would any of us get on a plane or a boat or anything else and head that direction right now? The answer to that question is no. No. <laughs> and so it's a, it's a bringing things to a standstill. Um, they are a, a significant in energy importer, of course, in terms of both yeah. crude oil and liquefied natural gas. Well, between them and India, that's where, of course, uh, in the in the coming years, uh, growth and demand globally is going to come from. And so this is, I hope, ultimately a solvable problem. I don't think it represents, and I'm, I'm hopeful I'm right about this, David. You can tell me what you think. You know, one of these so-called existential threats to the industry, I think there are other things uh, that, um, that may fall into that category. Uh, but I feel terrible for people that have to deal with it as their household level, for one thing. But it's certainly cutting into energy markets right now. There's not much doubt about that. 
Well, we're going to get ready for a break, Carr and David. When we return, I want to get to some of the calls that are waiting on the line. David, don't go anywhere. Hang tight. You're listening to In the Old Patch Radio Show, and we'll be right back. The Texas Alliance of Energy Producers has a rich and commanding history of fighting for the independent oil and gas industry. The Texas Alliance became a statewide organization in 2000 with the merger of two of the oldest oil and gas associations in the nation, the North Texas Oil and Gas Association and the West Central Texas Oil and Gas Association. Today, with more than 2,600 members, the Texas Alliance is the largest statewide association in the country serving independent energy producers and associated industries. Through our efforts in Washington, D.C., and Austin, the Texas Alliance is focused on a better business climate for you. The Texas Alliance has a staff consisting of highly experienced senior staff and supporting consultants serving our membership. Offices are located in Austin and Wichita Falls. Become a member today by visiting texasalliance.org or email us texasalliance at texasalliance.org. And welcome back to In the Old Patch Radio Show. Today's guest is Carr Ingham, petroleum economist with the Texas Alliance of Energy Producers. And we also are being joined by phone, uh, David Blackman, the editor of Shale Magazine. Uh, gentlemen, we've had a couple of callers since the beginning of the show holding online. I'd like to try to get to one of them real quick and see what their uh, question is for you guys or for Carr. Kyle San Antonio, are you there? Yes, ma'am. Well, thank you for calling into the show and joining us. Uh, quickly, are you in oil and gas, or what type of profession are you in? I am not in oil and gas. I have an academic background in oil and gas, but I'm actually uh, with the uh, Air Force. Excellent. So what's your question for Carr? Uh, you noted earlier that Texas is obviously heavy in oil and gas production, and it's a little bit tough to miss the fact that we're in the midst of an election cycle. Several of the Democratic candidates have indicated that they would attempt to ban fracking as a method of oil and gas recovery. If that were to come to fruition, if we had the right mix in the presidency, House, and Senate to where that came to fruition, how would that, in your estimation, impact Texas oil and gas production? And then subsequently, what would the economic impact be to the state? Well, that's a... uh Actually, that's a great question. It's one of my favorite questions to answer. There's there's two or three different aspects of this that have to be looked at. Number one is what you said. Uh, if they manage to get this done, and I'm again, I'm not quite sure how they do, uh, but should they actually manage to get this done, oil and gas is a sizable part of the Texas economy, uh, and the oil and gas picture is a massive share of the national picture in terms of oil and gas. We presently produce about 42% of all the nation's crude oil right here in Texas. And so should they manage to cut into oil and gas production in Texas significantly, we're going to lose. You're, you're putting uh, literally probably millions of jobs at risk. If you just add up all the oil and gas jobs in Texas uh, uh, for which there's not a place, under a, let's say, a Green New Deal or a fracking ban kind of scenario. Uh, just directly speaking, that's about a million jobs, probably. But you, then you have to spin that out because all of those do business with, with other others, businesses right. and those employees spend their paychecks in Texas. Yeah. 
And so you're talking about, again, putting at risk millions of jobs and really cutting into a driving engine of the state's economy, never mind the fact that the industry directly pays somewhere between typically 20 and 25 percent of all taxes collected by the state of Texas directly pays. Yeah. I'm not even talking about ad valorem taxes at the state, or pardon me, at the at the local school district level and county mm-hmm. level and municipal mm-hmm. level, uh, where taxes are paid on oil and gas reserves in production regions. And if you want to see people start squawking, start taking tax money away from school districts in huge chunks. Which well, we is remember what we're that about. it happened when when the comptroller had the wrong numbers, and it happens frequently. Sure. Not anyone's fault. And and at the time, Governor Perry had to put a 20% freeze or cut across the board. We saw teachers being laid off. There was a hiring freeze on law enforcement, fire, EMS. I mean, this is going to equate to some really nasty things Well, it's a nasty scenario. I, it's, a, it's lost on me that uh, there's not a massive hubbub about these ridiculous proposals. Well, the, we, bigger, the bigger issue, though, is the impact on the broader consumer economy. Right. Um, in and, other and, words, and Kyle's got it. Does, Kyle's getting it. Like, what happens to everything else outside? Well, what, what does happen to everything else? Um, first of all, you can't ban fracking, which, again, I just take as a proxy term for oil and gas production, period. You want to ban fracking, you want to ban drilling for crude oil and natural gas and bringing those products to the marketplace for the benefit of household and business consumers. So why in the world – answer me this question. Why in the world doesn't Bernie Sanders or Elizabeth Warren or any of the rest of those uh, folks on the Democrat – Um, side of the ledger in terms of presidential candidates simply suggest a ban on fossil fuel consumption. You can no longer manufacture gasoline and burn it in your car. You can no longer fly in a plane. plane. (laughs) You can no longer generate electric power with natural gas or coal for that matter. Why don't they do this? But no, the uh, and that's what I, I suppose they suggest that they probably truly want to get to, but why don't they just say that forthrightly? Well, the the reason is um, that there would be um, um, a, 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 a proper horrible negative reaction to that. But when you propose to ban oil and gas production, this is exactly what you're talking about, uh, taking those things away from, uh, from consumers and uh, and uh, upending uh, a lifestyle and standard of living in an economy that has grown itself to be the biggest and best the, the globe has ever seen, fueled by this energy. But And then, so beyond this, if you propose to do this in the United States, you can't ban crude oil and natural gas production in Russia, in Saudi Arabia, mm-hmm. uh, in other parts of the Middle East, in Venezuela, although Venezuela is killing their own industry. Uh, in every other country around the globe that, frankly, is just not as good at this or as clean as at this as we are. Right. And so what happens then? You ban it here. Economics are economics, period. You can be an idiot, but you can't set aside the laws of economics, no matter how hard you may want to try. And you can't deny that they exist. And so the second we start reducing oil and gas production here, somebody else on the globe begins to take up that space. And unless you forthrightly burn uh, pardon me, ban the consumption of energy-related products, crude oil and natural gas products. Somebody else on the globe is going to do this. We're going to import these into the United States and send ourselves right back to where we were in 2005 in terms of Importing. massive imports of mm-hmm. energy products and rather more than wars well, probably. On I the mean, horizon. Who, who can imagine what this looks like? But right. anyway, it's a 
Uh, it's um, it's ludicrous to even mention these things when we have uh, we're the leaders in lowering. Um, admissions and showing the rest of it the world ludicrous, how to do this. It is ludicrous, but this is where we find ourselves right now. Well, we do kind of live in that that cycle right now when you talk about politics and the Democrats versus the Republicans. When we get back, I want to uh, air a piece in which uh, Chairman Christian was talking about uh, the Democrat Party. Kyle, thank you for calling in. You're listening to In the Oil Patch Radio Show. Psst. Hey, you. Do you want to join the fastest growing oil and gas network in Texas? Ma'am, I'm all for growing my business. So you've got my attention. What is it? TEAK is the Texas Energy Advocates Coalition. They hold business mixers to help businesses grow and network. Any cost to join? For the next 90 days, it's completely free. No charge to join. But they do want like-minded individuals to attend who are interested in growing their business and networking. Well, I want to join. Where should I go? Go to shalemag.com slash Teak and click on the join link. Enter your information and we'll get you set up. Join the Texas Energy Advocates Coalition at shalemag.com slash teak today. Any business can benefit from advertising to the oil and gas industry, but it's really important to partner with a marketing company that has a proven track record with this growing industry. Shale Oil and Gas Business Magazine is the one-stop shop that'll keep you in front of the customers that you need to grow your business. So let's start growing your business in Texas. Email us, info at shalemag.com. Again, that's info at shale, S-H-A-L-E, mag, M-A-G, dot com. Or you can call us, 210-240-7188. Again, that's 210-240-7188. We're back. You're listening to In the Oil Patch Radio Show. Our guest today in studio is Carr Ingham, petroleum economist with the Texas Alliance of Energy Producers. And we're also being joined on the phone by David Blackman, the editor of Shell Magazine. You know, gentlemen, before the break, we were talking about uh, Kyle, a caller, a, a gentleman who called in talking about the political climate and the rhetoric that's going on with this fracking ban. And we are fortunate enough to have uh, the Texas Railroad Commission chairman, uh, Christian, uh, giving us a couple of energy minutes for our show throughout the week. Uh, Barry, can you play? I want you to listen to uh, his promo, if you will, on fracking and uh, the climate we're in. And then I want to get your uh, opinion, you and David. Go ahead. This is Railroad Commission Chairman Wayne Christian with today's Energy Minute. There are many misconceptions about what flaring is and how much flaring we do in Texas. This uncertainty has led to confusion and concern, limiting the funding for independent energy producers across Texas. Flaring is a process used primarily in the production of crude oil in which excess natural gas is burned off the wellhead. Our agency's analysis shows that the average monthly flaring rate since January 2014 has been one Much of the state's flaring will be eliminated as we expand our pipeline capacity and export infrastructure for liquefied natural gas. This would allow industry to use natural gas for its intended purpose, powering our state and exporting our energy and freedom around the world. Now, Carr and David, you know, obviously we've had a lot of discussion on flaring. There's climate change. Uh, The Democrat uh, Party that are running for uh, president, uh, whether it's Bernie, Elizabeth Sander, Joe Biden, they have all said that they would find a way of outlawing fracking. And uh, I want to get your opinion on um, Kyle, the gentleman who called in, 
uh, I think we're just getting to a point where the rhetoric has gotten to be so bad, um, and it's really causing a lot of, I think, misinformation, confusion. We've, we've had reports that children are committing suicide because they're terrified of climate change. Uh, tell me your thoughts on uh, Chairman uh, Christian's promo here, and then also your personal opinion on, on where are we with this, uh, you know, this discussion right now, and, and, and how do we calm this down? Well, where we are in terms of the discussion and just the general nature of the narrative is that the uh, n- not only has the oil and gas industry and the oil and gas community lost control of that narrative, utterly lost control of that narrative, uh, people with any sense and people with any economic sense have utterly lost control of this narrative. The conventional wisdom now is, and it's almost taken as at face value as gospel, uh, that the planet is warming, uh, that humans are the cause, uh, that the burning of fossil fuels, crude oil and natural gas in particular, is responsible, and that the only way to save the planet is to stop those things from happening, to, prov- to stop oil and gas production in its tracks, and to no longer permit consumers to benefit from these products. That's what the narrative is right now. It's wrong. It's completely wrong. Right. But that's people what will the narrative die if, we, right if we go off. The, well, the, sure they will. Pull the plug I mean, and um, uh, 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 if you just take a look at r- around the world at developed economies and what brings people from dark to daylight, economically speaking, it's energy. And what raises the standard of living and the quality of life for people around the globe, it's access to energy. Right. And so do we now propose, uh, do we really have the hubris to deny our global neighbors access to energy that we've had the benefit uh, and comfort of? The answer to that question appears to be yes. But let's not forget what happens. Everything is a trade-off. For example, uh, if you don't want forests to be cut down, give them access to some other kind of energy. If you're okay with cutting the forest down, take away their access to energy, and they'll have to cut those trees down to burn them. This is what happens. We know this is what happens. So again, we've lost control of this narrative. Oil and gas companies, oil and gas trade associations don't quite know how to get it back right now. And I think we have to admit that this is a terrible problem for us to be facing. But we're past the days where we can stick our heads in the sand and hope this kind of goes away. I couldn't agree with you more. David, when we come back from break, I want to get your opinion, and then we got to get back to our callers that have been waiting online patiently. Uh, Don't go away. You're listening to In the Oil Patch Radio Show, and we'll be right back. Do you know what artificial intelligence can do for your operation? It's probably time to find out. With Aspen Tech Software, your business can harness the full power of AI to achieve new levels of performance. Aspen Tech's leading-edge solutions are a critical part of the world's largest oil and gas, chemical, and engineering companies, helping them improve safety, sustainability, reliability. Drawing on decades of industry experience, Aspen Tech is using AI, machine learning, and predictive analytics to help companies digitally optimize the design, operation, and maintenance of their facilities. Find out how Aspen Tech can help you win tomorrow with the technology of today. Learn more at www.aspentech.com forward slash AI. And 
we're back. You're listening to End the Oil Patch Radio Show. Our guest today is Carr Ingham, petroleum economist with the Texas Alliance of Energy Producers, and David Blackman, editor of Shell Magazine. Uh, David, before uh, we, break, we, we went to break, I wanted to get your opinion because you and I have had numerous discussions on what is going on with this rhetoric and how dangerous it is. And I want to get your opinion. How, how, any ideas on how we can control uh, you know, this out-of-control narrative and discussion that's going on? Well, I, and, and Carr hit it right on the, the nail on the head a minute ago when he said that the industry completely lost the narrative. And, and, and frankly, this industry completely lost the narrative 50 years ago and has never gotten it back. That's, that's correct. Uh, didn't really make any any real effort to get it back until 15, 20 years ago when people started becoming concerned with all the misinformation out there about about the business. Um, there have been efforts, you know, and... and, and you know, the Alliance does a great job of, of talking to the public, but doesn't have a huge budget to do it. Um, and, and I think most of our trade associations are in that situation where, you know, the messaging coming out of our trade associations is really good and strong and, and factually, you know, correct uh, on these things. But, but you have to have an enormous budget to really make any real impact in the public at large. The flaring issue, and, and I'm so glad to hear Commissioner Christian and Commissioner Sitton really talking about the flaring issue because that has really caused the industry a, a severe black eye over the last couple of years. Yeah. Um, and, and it's something the industry just has to get its arms around in a really effective, real way right. in terms right. of not just saying, well, we're building a lot of pipelines, that's going to take care of it, but, but taking uh, a, aggressive action to, to, you know, company by company, reduce instances of, of flaring natural gas when you don't really need to. Right. Um, Tighten and, up the uh, reins. That's just right. the price of doing business, you know. But it's just, you know, you just have such a hard time breaking through all the disinformation, and, and some of it's not even intentional disinformation in the media. It's just abject ignorance by most reporters. Right. Well, Carr, uh, you, you pointed out CNN and its misleading headlines. Yeah. It wasn't even accurate. Yeah. You're absolutely right. right. Oh, yeah. It's just terrible, and it's just this daily assault that... that goes um, on and on. It's just hard for the industry to answer. Well, now, point. though, now though that we're at a point where we know that it's really frightening to our children, and now our children, uh, parents don't know how to, to talk to their children about climate change, uh, there's so much uh, misinformation to them, and it's a shame. Parents are having to have this conversation, get educated. You know, I don't know if you all know, but we wrote a book. Uh, it's online right now, and it's designed to help parents understand a little bit about how to talk to their children on climate change. And they can get it if they go to shellmag.com. But I want to bring Joe uh, on the Woodlands on now. Uh, Joe, welcome to In the Oil Patch Radio Show. What's your question for Carr, David, myself? Yeah, hey, Kim and Carr, hey, hey. David. Hey, Joe. Uh, hey, earlier in the show, this the discussion was about growth in the oil industry slowing a bit, but not reversing. But the previous caller, Kyle, actually asked an important question very similar to mine, and that shows just how Shell Magazine keeps its readers in tune with the industry. His question was almost exactly like I was going to ask. So my next, next question is, if tensions ease with Iran which history shows it probably won't, unless we get probably the Shah's son, Mr. Pahlavi, returned as their leader. 
do you think the markets would be flooded with uh, Iranian oil products? Hmm. If so. Good question, Joe. <laughs> yeah, that's a, that is a good question. I mean, we've we've sort of watched, watched the ebb and flow of what's going on with Iran, and actually, in the fourth quarter of 2018, when prices kind of unexpectedly cratered, um, you know, losing what 35 mm-hmm. percent or so yeah. over the, just over the course of that quarter, that was all Iran related. Uh, uh, yeah. Trump sort of indicated that he was going to. Um, pulled the trigger on hard sanctions on Iranian crude oil marketing. Market kind of responded to that since the shortage that would be um, that would be in place, kind of relative shortage if that should happen, push prices up a little bit, and then uh, it didn't really play out that way. And I, I'm not suggesting he did or didn't do anything wrong. It's just kind of the way the markets were perceiving this. And so when he didn't pull the trigger on that, and there was still a considerable amount of Iranian oil in the in the market global market pipeline, well, prices went down and went down in a hurry, and uh, so that sort of normalized. And uh, exactly. I, um, you know, I, I may have a different take on this as an economist. What I typically want, and we, and that's not to suggest that we have a global market scenario that looks like this, but what I typically want is for producers of any good or service to just slug it out in the marketplace and see who wins. Well, we've won this battle. We've won it against OPEC. We've run it, won it against Iran just by following market forces and letting uh, individual companies uh, make their own decisions about production rather than a centralized decision-making process, as is the case in virtually every other producing planet on the globe. And so would it bother me if we have these additional barrels um, – uh, not not so much. I mean, uh, uh, producers of anything, crude oil and natural gas in particular in this case, really only exist to serve the consumers of those products. And I always want the consumer world to fare well because it means economic growth and, by the way, resulting growth in energy demand. Um, and so uh, the more the merrier. Uh, but, you know, geopolitics are a different thing. And if they have to be punished because of their bad acts, we don't have to play along with them. I don't care what Trump does to them, um, except that I am worried about just their own people. And I wish they uh, could figure out a way um, <clears throat> out of that morass that they're in because of their uh, leaders there. But that's a longstanding uh, problem there. Uh, but again, in terms of the marketplace, uh, and the barrels that can be produced out there, bring it on. And I think the U.S. and the U.S. oil and gas operators have now proven to the world uh, time and time again, uh, and certainly since we began to raise crude oil and natural gas production, crude oil production in particular, uh, since about 2008 or nine, uh, that we are going to win that battle every time just by letting market circumstances take hold and let individual operators in the states do what they're going to do. We've won that battle. We're going to continue to do that. And by the way, that is a win for consumers globally and certainly in the United States. Perfect. When we get back from great uh, from break, Clint, you'll be up next. You're listening to in the Oil Patch Radio Show, and we'll be right back. Hi, folks. Alvin Bailey here. Did you know Agreco is proud to sponsor in the Oil Patch Radio Show? Agreco has served Texas oil fields for over ten years, supporting producers with temporary power to get their product to market. 
When utility power is not available, Agreco is your reliable alternative. They service everything from pump jacks with a single 200 kilowatt unit to massive gas processing facilities requiring 50 megawatts or more. Agreco is your dedicated engineering partner for diesel and natural gas generators as well as battery power solutions. Call Agreco today at 1-800-AGRECO. That's 1-800-A-G-G-R-E-K-O. Any business can benefit from advertising to the oil and gas industry, but it's really important to partner with a marketing company that has a proven track record with this growing industry. Shale Oil and Gas Business Magazine is the one-stop shop that'll keep you in front of the customers that you need to grow your business. So let's start growing your business in Texas. Email us, info at shalemag.com. Again, that's info at shale, S-H-A-L-E, mag, M-A-G, dot com. Or you can call us, 210-240-7188. Again, that's 210-240-7188. The Texas Alliance of Energy Producers has a rich and commanding history of fighting for the independent oil and gas industry. The Texas Alliance became a statewide organization in 2000 with the merger of two of the oldest oil and gas associations in the nation, the North Texas Oil and Gas Association and the West Central Texas Oil and Gas Association. Today, with more than 2,600 members, the Texas Alliance is the largest statewide association in the country serving independent energy producers and associated industries. Through our efforts in Washington, D.C. and Austin, the Texas Alliance is focused on a better business climate for you. The Texas Alliance has a staff consisting of highly experienced senior staff and supporting consultants serving our membership. Offices are located in Austin and Wichita Falls. Become a member today by visiting texasalliance.org or email us texasalliance at texasalliance.org. Back, you're listening to In the Oil Patch Radio Show. Our guest today is Car Ingham, petroleum economist for the Texas Alliance of Energy Producers, and David Blackman, editor of Shell Magazine. Uh, gentlemen, before the break, we were talking about Iran, and now I want to try to get another caller uh, in on the line. Clint, are you still there? And thank you for holding on. Yes, I'm here. Thank you for taking my call. Uh, Clint, are you in the oil and gas industry, or what type of business are you in? Yes, I'm in the oil and gas uh, industry. Um, the question that I have, uh, Carr, what do you think the price of oil will be uh, this year? Oh, oh, boy. Get your crystal ball. <laughs> you know, uh, <laughs> uh, David, you ready? <laughs> we, we all live in fear of uh, crude oil price predictions, and yet I sort of do it all the time. I've got a friend who likes to say, you know, there are two kind of people in this world. Those who know what crude oil prices are going to – wait, those who don't know – what crude oil prices are going to be in the future. And, oh, wait, there is only one kind of person in this world, those who don't know what crude oil prices are going to be in the future. So I just sort of look at set of circumstances and, you know, where prices are right now, where they spent all of 2019, and there wasn't much movement in crude oil prices in 2019 um, uh, for the most part. I mean, they were very stable all year long. Now they're a little bit worse because of this global demand situation, coronavirus, and a few other things, but that primarily. Um, and so, and then I asked myself, uh, if these, uh, if these things are going to change appreciably in the, in the foreseeable future. Well, I don't know how long it's going to be before the coronavirus issue corrects itself to the extent that um, it kind of begins to undo the economic damage it's in the process of doing. 
it looks like uh, that's still uh, a, a developing and occurring thing is going to get worse before it gets better. And so I'm not sure that really for the balance of 2020, that situation is going to look a whole lot better than it does right now. You add to this the fact that uh, we are continuing to grow production, although we're growing it at a smaller rate than we used to be. But there's not much reason to think now, and if you've watched this trend over a number of years, you just sort of understand that even though prices are a bit lower now than they were certainly in 2018, the rig count is down, the number of permits taken is down to drill oil and gas holes, number of well completions and all of this. Crude oil production is not going to go down probably in 2020. And if it does, it won't be really by very much. And so we have a well-supplied market, even absent uh, these demand issues at the global level. And so um, I look at prices from a couple of different respects. If you see them reported typically in the news, it's a futures price. And the price that I typically work with is a posted price, which is what oil and gas producers are getting paid on a daily basis for a barrel of crude oil. And that's usually three or four bucks less than the uh, futures price that you most often hear reported. And so, uh, you know, right now in terms of that posted price, we're in the $46, $47 range. Okay. For all of 2019, it was about 53 54 bucks. And I'm not looking for anything much different than $50 oil, and I hope it's that good in 2020. Uh, but you were a little bit fortunate, though. You know, the last time crude oil prices started to go down in 2014, they kept going down until oh, they had gone yes. down by about 80%. When they started to go down this time in the fourth quarter of 2018, they kind of leveled off in that $50, 50 to $55 range. So things could be much worse than they are right now. Uh, But, you know, it may be a little bit fortunate that we've got declining activity levels at a time that we've got this uh, global demand issue going on because it it is slowing the rate of production growth. Um, And so that may be kind of helping us a little bit on the uh, on the price side. So I'm, I'm not looking for anything vastly different than what we're looking at right now and maybe that $50 range for oil. But that's not great, but it could be a whole lot worse. Well, and, you know, we, we caught up with you a couple of weeks back when uh, the Texas Alliance of Energy Producers released your petroleum index in Houston. And, uh, you know, I want to send our listeners, like Clint or Kyle, they want more information. Um, first of all, the petroleum index, what can they expect and where can they get that report? Well, it's on our website, www.texasalliance.org. It's Texas Alliance of Energy Producers. You can just search that. So we post the Texas Petro Index which is just a monthly tracking of the upstream or exploration production oil and gas economy in Texas. Went down for most of 2019, still going down, moving into 2020. Um, And, uh, you know, the the, the one takeaway from this is that even though the rig count continues to go down, number of permits continues to go down, number of industry employees continues to go down, production continues to go up. This is a tremendous accomplishment of the industry, but in many respects, it's it's uh, it's it's hard on the industry because uh, it simply takes fewer employees to produce record amounts of crude oil and natural right. gas. Oh, the efficiencies that Without we've a seen. Doubt. Without just, a doubt. David, you're always one willing to break out your crystal ball. <laughs> Let's jump. Down. Let me have you join the conversation. Uh, what are your thoughts yeah. on uh, where we? You know, we've, we've interviewed a couple of companies, and they've kind of been like, if you can just make it to 2020, 2021, yeah, we'll the better. outlook is better in in a in a in a yeah. year's time frame and beyond that. Yes, no no doubt about that. So hang tight, David. What are your thoughts? 
Well, it's $52 today. I'd say that's probably about where it's going to be at the end of the year. Um, Goldman Sachs uh, last week reduced its projected price for WTI for 2020 from $63 to $53. <laughs> wow. So, uh, and that's in reaction to the whole coronavirus. Thing. Yes, so, yes. You know, we're, we're I think Carr, I, I, I don't disagree with anything Carr said. We're going to be around 50, somewhere between 50 and 55. And uh, that's if, assuming that, that we get this yes. pandemic under control and, and keep I'm it always happy when I say something David Blackman does not disagree with. <laughs> <laughs> well, well uh, always. Yeah. Well, and I mean, I guess just quickly, doomsday scenario, what if it doesn't get any better? What can we expect? Oh, boy. It's, it's you know, if you, and, and I don't even want to speculate on this. I mean, I, I think everybody it, just needs to start pretty praying. well under control right now, frankly. And, uh, you know, it's kind of isolated to China with just a few uh, outlier cases. And I think that's probably what's going to end up happening because as the weather warms, uh, the spread of any virus uh, dissipates, and so we're we're getting into warming season now. So. Right. Well, I would like to thank you guys in closing out the show, David. Thank you for joining us uh, via phone and car. It's always wonderful to see you in Such person. Such a great pleasure to be in the studio. And, today. You know, I just thank cannot you thank you enough for our, the association for partnering with us. You know, education is the key in helping the community understand how vital oil and gas is to them, to life, to sustaining life, to cleaning the planet. These things are very important, but they should also join texas alliance of energy producers and they you can also go to your find website. that on the website that's right well thank you for coming in i appreciate thank you. you thank you in the oil patch is where together we explore topics that affect us all in oil gas business and in your community every week your host kim Bellotto will visit with the movers and shakers in this fast-paced industry you'll hear from industry experts elected officials and many more right here on in the oil patch